and we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptal, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman. We're continuing to wait out this longest rain delay ever, this uh, virus delay, um, 18, 17, 18 days now, and counting many a day left, it seems like, but um Tara, are you are you staying sane? I guess it's a, b- a big thing here. We need to know: are you are you okay? I'm uh, I'm okay. I, sane is a bit of a question mark, perhaps, but that's always the case. I am finding ways to spend time. I don't know if it's wisely or not, but uh, Louie and I are hanging in there. I, uh, I I waved at my mother from my back deck the other day, so that's about the extent of the personal <laughs> contact I've had. And um, so far, we're going to keep it that way. That was my kids and I went out to my parents' house and stood in their yard while they came out on their porch and talked to them uh, at some point, I guess, Friday afternoon. So that was, um, I guess, that was like a huge family reunion is the way, the way things go now, it seems like. But um, I, I'm sure Louis, though, is, is glad to have you. Uh, he doesn't know what to do with you being home so much. It's probably confusing for him. Yeah, you know, I think he was real excited about it for about the first nine days. And now he's like, why are you still here? <laughs> so um, I think he's gotten a little restless, although he's not a big fan of storms. Thunder mm-hmm. is not his favorite thing in the world. Uh, and when he was able to sleep next to me on the bed instead of in a kennel at my parents' house during the storm, I think, you know, it refreshed his uh, his gratitude for, for me being... <laughs> uh close at that point so we're we're all we're doing all right well good good um you know this is the kind of stuff we have to deal with because there's not much baseball to talk about but there was a little bit this week there was there were plans made um assuming that there's gonna be a season and and i guess you could also say plans made for when there won't be a season Mm -hmm. The, the players and the owners get together and do some finagling the owners fronted some money so that the players can get paid the major league players can get paid let's right we must be clear on this um for the first couple of months if the season gets canceled they don't have to pay that money back um but they also said i kind of got the impression at least if if it comes july and things aren't any better than the season that, that we won't have a season and that I don't know. It's one of those things that you knew there was a possibility, but once it starts getting it down into print, makes it a little makes me a little bit more concerned about the idea of of losing this whole entire year. Well, I think that's sort of the nature of how everything is right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just today, the stay at home directives are extended through the 30th of April, and all of a sudden we're looking at more than a month, looking at closer to six weeks or so of the social distancing and of businesses being shut down and limiting any kind of interaction. And naturally that that then affects these things where there are massive gatherings of people or even smaller gatherings as far as, you know, teams in a clubhouse, but in close proximity to one another and traveling and being in close proximity with people in other locations. So I think when we when we first kind of put everything on pause, including baseball, there was this idea of, well, let's just sort of take it two weeks at a time mm-hmm. and hopefully things will be better than predicted. And at this point, they're not necessarily better than predicted. And we're still sort of unclear 
on what the worst of this is going to look like and when that's going to happen and how quickly we can recover after that. So there's some sense of we can make plans for June for baseball, but there's a very real possibility that even if you know, the stay at home orders are lifted and there are some forms of normalcy kind of returning to our lives. Are you going to be able to put 40,000 people in a stadium? Are you going to be able to travel to these places that were hit the hardest? Is there going to be some sort of difference in, you know, say playing baseball in Minnesota and playing baseball in New York? Is that going to be some sort of inequity there as far as how you could plan a season. So there are really no more known factors now than there were a week ago. And that's why it's hard to imagine a scenario where any of these dates on paper actually play out like we're sort of hoping they will. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're talking a possibility of, of the virus cases peaking in April, which, you know, save it and say it's mid April you know, that's a peak. It's going to take a long time before it comes back down to everybody. Yeah. Like you said, 40,000 people get together and and do this kind of stuff. And then even so, I mean, you run that risk of it flaring back up again when you start putting those kind of people together. And all it takes is one person that's not feeling well, that happens to go to a ball game and who knows. Um, So yeah, they're going to have to be very, very cautious about, about opening and reopening uh, things and getting, back on the field, I've just, you know, I've always felt like, oh, baseball is such a long season. Surely by, you know, June, July, we can get, uh, you know, something, some sort of season together. But it, it really sounds like they don't want to play less than 100 games this year, um, which is understandable. And I get that. I think, you know, for the fan point of view, we'll take, <laughs> I think we'd take 30 games <laughs> if we could have it, you know. Um, it might not make for the best of, you know, most authentic uh playoffs but we'll take it we'll deal with that whatever um but it does feel like they they want to get at least 100 games in and if they can't start by you know early june or maybe mid-june that's gonna be very difficult i know they're talking about you know playing later into october um they're talking about you know i saw some tweets about the players are willing to play all the way to thanksgiving if it is necessary which is great until you try to turn around and come back to spring training next february mm, yeah um I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm still hopeful that we'll get some back, but I mean, are are you, do you think that we will see baseball this year? Boy, I don't, I'm hesitating because I feel like my ability to be hopeful about that changes by the hour, <laughs> maybe changes by the report that I've most recently read. And at this point, it's just such an unknown. It's just such an open-ended We've never been here before. We've never seen this before. We have no idea. Even as you said, once we hit that peak, what it's going to look like, how long it's going to take to get, you know, to any sort of normal. And, you know, they don't seem to love the idea of playing without fans in the stands, although that is an option they sort of left on the table. And I get that. But if you aren't going to do that, if you're not willing to at least limit the massiveness of those gatherings the odds of playing baseball this year go down significantly in my mind and I don't know you know would you rather play no baseball or play baseball without fans in the stands I don't know what the right answer is to that but 
of course, everyone wants baseball. Everyone wants to play. Everyone has reasons for that. I mean, the players want to play because they want to get paid. And there are all sorts of stipulations as far as that goes in regards to what would happen if the season doesn't happen at all and, and how those things all break down. And so everybody wants to play. They want to play enough games that, of course, there were lots of discussions about how this impacts service time and, and those things. And all of those are layers to this. But the the first thing is, like, we all love baseball and we all want it to some degree. But I understand the idea that if you can't play more than half of a normal season, wh- what do you do with that when you look back on the 2020 season? Do you what does that do to the World Series champion? What do you do if you play 40 games and all of a sudden a team announces that they have five guys test positive for, you know, all of a sudden there's so many ways this can break down really quickly. Am I hopeful that baseball will happen this season? Yes, but very cautiously so simply because we, we've just never been here before. We don't know what this is going to look like or how long it's going to take to safely be able to do what has always been normal. Yeah. And I mean, I worry less about, what this champion a championship in this year means because we've done a really good job of factoring that out for the past. You know what I'm saying? You know, sure. how, what yeah. does a 1918s, um, you know, championship mean when they didn't have integrated ball players and, you know, everybody was, you know, they only had eight teams or whatever versus, you know, 2018s. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that they really, I think that's probably most the scariest thing they have right now is this idea that they're going to start back up and then all of a sudden one team's going to have, one team's going to have enough players that you can't play. And then what do you do? Right. Um, and that's, that's a situation that baseball really hasn't ever been in. I mean, you never had, you know, they've had those doomsday scenarios where a plane crashes or something of that nature and then they figure out what to do. This would be different than that. And, you know, again, you run that risk, you know, you can quarantine the twins or whatever, but you know, how do you know that the Yankees who just left town didn't take it with them and, and things of that nature? So I don't know. It is, it's a scary mess. Um, I just, and I just, I got to feel like we're going to have to have something because we're going to go crazy otherwise, <laughs> but, uh, um, but you, you know, you've got to do what you can. And, and this is not a, this is not a situation where you can just, you know, drop a, drop something and it just, it stops it. it it's going to have to run its course. And, you know, the, the more people can stay inside and the more people can stay away from this stuff, the faster this kind of thing can burn out, hopefully. And, and we'll see that baseball, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just a, a scary thing, but a lot of other things in this agreement too. One was a service time issue. Whereas if the season is canceled, these all these guys get a full year service time, um, which means Mookie Betts. I think the biggest thing is Mookie Betts could be a Dodger that never played for the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you're not going to get my heart broken on the fact that the Dodgers gave up, <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff. Uh, but it, I mean, in, in to some degree, it is not fair. I mean, you, you gave up two or three prospects, good prospects for a guy that you're not going to get any value out of, but um. I think it's, I, I talked about this unusual. It seems to me a little bit weird that they're so pushing for, you know, the service time because I, this free agency market is going to have to be, it's probably going to be colder than any market we've seen. And we've seen some cold markets lately just because after a major league baseball team has half the revenue they think they're going to have, 
you know, they don't need an excuse not to spend, but that's a huge one. So um, it's very interesting that people are pushing to get to that free agency that may not be so lucrative. Yeah, it just it adds to what is already a complicated mess because, look, the the contentious nature of the relationship between the players union and the owners was already coming to a head at some point. And, you know, I think this is sort of just a, a protection against making that worse so that owners can't exaggerate how they're taking advantage of a crisis situation. But you're right. It may not mean anything as far as what the offseason looks like for these players, even if they get the service time, right, as has now been confirmed. But it just it, it's going to be such a weird couple of seasons. And that's the thing about this. Even if they do get some version of the 2020 season in, right, this is going to linger for many years as far as how it trickles down and affects business decisions or how it affects the the health of some players. I mean, we've already seen guys who decided to have surgery that we didn't know were considering surgery. Classic Mets. Um, yeah. We've seen, you know, guys who decided to have surgery now in hopes that if a season happens, they can be back. But then you're going to have guys playing much later in the year. You're going to have guys coming in, particularly pitchers, off of a an abbreviated spring training and what's that going to do we talked about that there may be more injuries there may be so it's going to be a weird couple of seasons you know even if they do get to play 100 games 81 games whatever it is in 2020 just because this is this isn't a thing that you're just going to flip a switch and be back to normal no not at all uh as much as we wish we could right. um it's not going to be that way now Part of what this deal was, and I know this is, this is, we have to get into your brand um, <laughs> here, but a lot of this um, had to do with the draft, which seemed very weird to me because when I think of all the things that could be impacted by a lack of baseball this year, the draft seems way down on the list. You know, I mean, <clears throat> at worst you draft the kids and they don't play this year. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, something. But, I mean, the draft is something you can do, as you did for eons before the last, like, five years over a conference call. So it's not like you have to all get together or anything like that. But the Players Union, trying to get that um, service time, gave Major League Baseball the right, at least, uh, to shorten the draft, to cut down on, um, you know, being able to spread out bonuses so they could cut the bonuses and make them paid over two or three years. Um, they cut the, if you know, if undrafted free agents used to be like a $100,000 cap. Now it's like $20,000. Um, all these things I think are still up in the air that these are possibilities. Um, nothing has been set in stone, but it was very interesting. One, that the major league players just kind of gave all this away. And two, this is what MLB is so focused on when it's talking about the effects of the virus. Yeah, I sent a message to Kyle Reese shortly after I saw this information come out. And basically, the message was, of course, Major League Baseball is going to use an international pandemic to accomplish their ultimate goal of eliminating the majority of minor league teams and players. Obviously, that's not going to happen in one year, but this sets a precedent and, it'll, and it gives them the authority to make those changes. Um, 
I, I don't, <laughs> that sounds very sinister. And I don't know that that would be what any of those owners or anyone in that room would actually say was behind any of this. But look, sorry if I'm a little bit cynical and a little bit skeptical <laughs> of the reasons that Major League Baseball, even the owners and the players union, how they make decisions that impact minor leaguers who have no voice. They have no representation. So yeah, cutting down the draft might seem like a simple way to kind of simplify the whole process, right? And I've talked to so many people over the course of the last offseason in conversation about the whole contraction proposal and things of that nature, shortening the draft where, you know, people will say, yeah, but do you really need 40 rounds of the draft? Do you really need that many minor league players? They're not playing. Most of those guys aren't going to make it to the big leagues anyway. I don't know if we have enough time on this show for me to confront all of that, but <laughs> the bottom line is you're going to miss out. I had a, I had a minor league player tell me this when I talked to him about the con contraction issue and his, his explanation was if you eliminate, you know, 42 minor league teams, if you eliminate even half of the draft, which is still significantly more than they're considering now, possibly shortening the draft to five rounds, mm -hmm. then you're going to miss out on major league players. There was an article at the athletic that, Named a few of those players, right? Paul Goldschmidt was an eighth round pick. Albert Pujols, we all know, 13th round. Tommy Edmond was post sixth round. So if you only have five rounds of the draft, you're talking about not just guys who are on the periphery of being major league players. You're talking about all-star caliber talent that you're just not going to get. Matt so, Carpenter. Matt Carpenter is right. right there, uh, go down the list. I mean, I mm -hmm. have a spreadsheet somewhere that probably needs to be updated now because I started doing it way before things got this complicated, but <laughs> I was looking at every team in baseball and at the time looking at guys drafted after the 20th round, because that was a conversation, right? They're going to cut the draft mm -hmm. in half. And there are guys on every team. There were, you know, double digit guys in every, every division that were drafted after that second half of the draft that are now major league players. Not just, again, not all of them are just periphery players who, you know, have a cup of coffee and then you never hear from them again. These are legit everyday all-star caliber players who are not going to get a shot. And you can say all you want that they could sign as undrafted free agents. You can make that argument. But the, the longer term problem with that is that you're going to have multi-sport athletes who don't choose baseball. You're going to have guys who choose to play football. You're going to have guys who choose to play basketball. You're going to have guys who choose to, if they're also super smart, like Stephen Piscotty or Tommy Edmond or whoever it is, Paul DeYoung, mm -hmm. they're going to just go to school and get a, a, a quote, real job. And you're never going to have the talent that they could have been in the game of baseball. All to save a little bit of money, which isn't even a significant part of the financial structure of these these uh major league teams so it cutting the draft to five rounds this year cutting the draft in half overall it's going to eliminate minor league teams right eventually that's what's going to happen because <laughs> they have to field those teams this season they don't have to field those teams necessarily in the new player development agreement which is where all of this kind of comes together it comes full mm -hmm. circle all of a sudden 
We're talking about minor league pay. We're talking about contraction. We're talking about what to do in a shortened season because of a worldwide pandemic. And all of it centers in my brain around the fact that Major League Baseball sees this as an opportunity. And that, that again, I don't mean that to sound as negative as it does, but they see this as an opportunity to put into motion the decisions that will allow them to seamlessly eliminate minor league teams. And maybe they want to go the way of football or basketball and use the college game that has developed a lot in the last decade as the developing grounds for major league talent and less of that happening on the minor league level. It, it's a it's a messy, messy thing, but that's the only direction I can see this going. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's It's sad to see them take advantage of a situation like this, but it completely feels like that's what they're doing. Um, It really does. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about some of the same stuff you're talking about in December before any of this came up and then all of a sudden, Oh, well, well, now we've got to do this. Um, Yeah. That doesn't, that didn't sit real well with me either. Um, Because yeah, you're right. You're going to, they're definitely going to miss out. And that's, and that's what's so weird. You know, there's that article over at athletic, but part of the idea is you would think they would want to draft more players than less because that gives you more talent in your organization. That's going to be playing. I mean, the Cardinals got Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols was playing at a hall of fame level, like from day one. (laughs) And, you know, he he puts up an MVP like season for $500,000 or whatever the the thing was back then. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they should want. I mean, they've obviously gotten to the point where they're not going to pay anybody that's over 30, um, you know, more than five cents on the dollar. It feels like. Um, And if you're getting close to 30, it's kind of iffy. So there's only a short window there. You, You would think they want all these possibility of players that could give them extreme uh value in that first six years and yet they're cutting kind of cutting their nose off to spite their face because they want to save the they'd rather save the ten dollars here than save the three thousand dollars there um and they've been been given permission to do that by the guys who already have jobs right? right they've been granted that option by the major league players association who is looking for leverage is looking for bargaining opportunities in their own right, because the new CBA is coming up. And if they want to change the fact that, you know, the service time works the way that it does, a team can manipulate it the way that it does, that arbitration works the way that it does, whatever is going to be on the table from their perspective. Look, they're, they're negotiating right now as well. This isn't just the owners who are trying to set something in motion. It's the players union as well. And as I sort of touched on, the biggest problem here is that what they're conceding is <laughs> the opportunity and the livelihood for the guys who don't have a seat at the table, for the guys who don't have the benefit of a union, don't have the benefit of a voice speaking on their behalf which is not something that the owners are considering. And it appears that it's not really something that the Major League Players Association is at least predominantly considering in these conversations as well. That's that's where this becomes an issue because you have a, a, a large majority of the people that Major League organizations employ not being represented in those conversations. Yeah, and I don't know... I mean, honestly, I don't know how you represent some of them. I mean, the college kids, the people that aren't drafted yet... 
I, I mean, there's got to be some way. I'm not saying there's not. I just don't know exactly how that works. But for minor leaguers, I, I still just don't. It just doesn't make sense to me to some degree how players that have fought up through their minor league ranks have then don't fight again for those players. And I think we see that a little bit more. I think we're seeing that some of the newer the players that are coming up now are trying to do a little bit more than that. But it is amazing. And again, you know, I guess to some degree, if you've only got, you know, only got four cards of leverage, you throw away the one that means the least to you. And if you're already through that struggle, that's the easiest one to give up. But they've never made an an argument, a very solid argument. It doesn't feel like on the major league side to for working conditions or anything of that nature in the minor leagues. And it's, I don't know, is it the idea that they had to deal with it? So everybody else is going to have to deal with it. That's, that kind of feels like it to me, but that's not exactly the best idea. Yeah, and you would think someone along the way would sort of buck that concept and say, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, but we also, like, as grown-ups, look at things that happened in our past and think, nah, I don't want to put my kids through that. I think I want a better life for my kids. Well, why would you not then look at the things you went through in the career side of baseball and think, yeah, you know, it wasn't really great for my development to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches twice a day. And that's it. Like what part of you thinks, ah, it's good for them. It builds character. (laughs) Is that really a thing that major league players are saying, or is there just no good way for them to simultaneously protect their own assets, protect their own careers and, advocate for those coming up behind them. I mean, I would think there has to be a way for that to happen, but just like minor leaguers don't want to speak up about this and, and, you know, do so in a way that is hypercritical. I don't know that major league players want to do that either because the owners still have all the leverage and there's such a weird dynamic there that I don't know, maybe they feel like they, they don't have the clearest option there either, but we've seen, We've seen some major league players come around and, you know, make donations like Adam Wainwright did to support the minor league players, which is such a laughable concept if we want to dive down another rabbit hole. But we've seen them. I I know that there is um, a group organized by uh, players' wives that has matched minor league families with major league families to some extent to help them through this time as well. So those things are happening. It's just not happening on a level that represents them in these conversations that directly impact their livelihood and the, and the, the stability of baseball moving forward. Right. And that's where this goes beyond as much as I talk about how much they're getting paid or not getting paid. Those guys there are what, you know, 290 players in an entire organization. 40 of them are on the major league 40 man roster. All of those guys make baseball happen at that level because you have to provide adequate competition to, to allow for that development. You have to face better pitchers in order to become a better hitter. You have to compete with better, you know, infielders to earn your spot at the next level. Like that all has to happen. And the development is so much more, complex in baseball than it is in other sports that those guys those 200 plus guys are what makes baseball happen at the top level so what does baseball look like if you eliminate most of those guys I don't know I don't know what that does to the game and maybe it doesn't have a dramatic impact but it certainly costs a bunch of guys 
their jobs, even if they're low paying jobs, and it costs a bunch of major league teams exceptional talent that they're just never going to get. It doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like it works out well for anyone except for maybe the owners. Well, I mean, if there's anything you can say about Major League Baseball is that it is amazingly good at being short-sighted. Um, <laughs> that it can do something that works today for the bottom line, even though it's going to hurt them down the road. Because they're not worried about down the road. They never have worried about down the road. They figure whoever is down the road when this comes up will have to deal with it. But it may not be them. I mean, the players, to some degree, they may not be around. And the owners, you never know when they're going to sell. So, you know, they just figure they'll kick the can a little bit. And, you know, but right now, if they can cut, you know, $10,000 and save that on their bottom line, you know, it feels like that's what they're willing to do. Now, you know, again, we're painting with a broad brush and sometimes some owners are better than others and various things. But on the whole, I mean, that's just where baseball seems to be right now. Um, and it's it's not a good look. It's not a good thing for the future of the team, for the game, I don't think. You're right. I mean, even if these, even if this second half of the draft never makes it to the major leagues, which sometimes they do, you know, how much better are they making the guys that do get there? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, you know, and that's something you just don't know until 15 years down the road. You're like, why is baseball not any good anymore? <laughs> I mean, why are these players, these players, I mean, we already complain about these players today. They're never as good as the players back in the eighties or whatever, but you know, it might actually be true in 10 or 15 years. It's like these guys, you know, why can they not do what, you know, I remember when they could do this and that and this and that, and why can't they anymore? Why are they not learning this in the minor leagues? Well, it's because there's not as many minor leagues to learn it in. They're not going to have to evolve and continue to challenge themselves as right. athletes right. if there's not as much competition. And as mm-hmm. much as you want to say there's that competition at the collegiate level, as much as you want to say these kids who start travel ball when they're like eight, nine, ten years old mm-hmm. and they're basically like training as professional athletes at that point, that's fine. But you take the best player on that nine and ten year old team, maybe he's the best player on his high school team. Maybe he's still the best player on his collegiate team and all the other guys who weren't the best player might have just decided to go do something else instead mm-hmm. of continuing to train like that. And they're not you're not going to have the same level of competition that creates that takes talent and turns it into superstardom. And that's you're going to lose some of that depth. You're going to lose some of the the most remarkable things in baseball if there isn't the competition to generate it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this donation from Adam Wainwright. <laughs> and because it's very, I mean, it's very cool in the yeah. general sense. Yeah. It's very cool that Adam Wainwright, who let's, let's be honest. I mean, he's made plenty of money, uh, but he's also very good about giving that money away in various mm-hmm. charities. Yeah. But for him to realize that struggle, realize that people are not going to step up for these minor leaguers to, then put $250,000 of his own money on, you know, down for these guys was great. And to do it in a way that was probably not, as you and I were talking about before the show, not necessarily designed to draw attention to himself. Um, it's more of that idea that <clears throat> it got out there from the organization and not from Adam Wainwright. He didn't say anything about it. He hasn't said anything about it yet, as far as we can tell. Um, but, you know, the fact that 
Adam Wainwright, who has been paid by these owners, this ownership can do this as a player. Whereas the people that have been paying him who have significantly more money and more, you know, more skin in the game, both in money and the, the desire for good prospects to come up are doing nothing or at least nothing that we can see. Um, it's a frustrating situation. It's, it's very, again, it's very cool that, that Adam Wainwright and some of these players are taking us on. They just shouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first thought when I saw that news was, of course it was Adam Wainwright that would do something like that. The second thought was ah, he really shouldn't have to. I mean, the, the thought process that follows along very quickly is, man, this is an employee making a huge donation to care for other employees in the mm-hmm. same company. I mean, that's just a, such a surreal concept that shouldn't have to happen in a $10 billion industry. I mean, I think it's great. Just to highlight the goodness for a moment, we know that Adam Wainwright loves nothing more than he loves helping other people and mm-hmm. inspiring other people and taking what he has and creating something else really good with it. So I'm not even a little bit surprised to see Adam Wainwright make a donation like that. I think on some level, I really appreciate that it was just a massive donation and not a, I'll match your donation up to such and such, which not to knock that either. I mean, like Dexter Fowler's doing some of that stuff and that's great. I think it's good to inspire other people to also be generous, but so much of the time it's like, there are these fundraising activities started by people who could simply just write the check themselves. And Adam Wainwright is just as happy to write the check himself as he is to work with his own organizations and do those fundraising projects and include other people in the mix. He's just as happy to write the check himself. So major kudos hats off to Adam and Jenny Wainwright and everything that they do. But in this case, recognizing the severity of the situation for some of these guys and trying to do something about it in a very direct, very instantaneous sort of way. But yeah, for the statement from more than baseball, which shout out to those guys, I'm sure that money is going to go a long way to help with some really great things they have going on. The statement from them, including a quote from John Mozeliak that was like, it's great that Adam Wainwright is generous. We encourage that. And appreciate how he's helping people in need or something to that effect it was it was such a strange statement such a strange quote i should say because one john like had nothing to do with it right. <laughs> other than the fact that adam wainwright plays for the team that he runs um and two like the people in need that he's referencing are literally employees of the company <laughs> that he's in charge mm-hmm. of second only to the owner like they're not it's not like they're employees <laughs> shouldn't be a charity case they are employees of your company that you are choosing not to pay so a fellow employee of your company did it for you and you're applauding him for that it's just very strange in that sense again I don't want to take away from what Adam Wainwright did at all. I would imagine he would have been just as happy if his name stayed out of it altogether but nonetheless, Perhaps it will inspire other major leaguers to do something similar. But the bottom line underneath all of that is they shouldn't have to. And there are people above them who 
have more money than Adam Wainwright does as much as he has made that should be the first ones to take that step. And I don't know, it just sort of highlights the strange dichotomy in this whole scenario when a guy like Adam Wainwright will in one donation basically donate half of what it costs to run one of those minor league teams for an entire season on the major league level. So it just, again, kudos Adam Wainwright shout out to more than baseball. Appreciate all of that from him. Very weird, very weird situation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like you're saying, I mean, you know, we had a case of the virus in our organization, you know, and we're like 10 or 12 people. So that's not a big deal. I mean, we had to do all the quarantine and stuff like that, but it's like the employees coming together and paying for the sick time or whatever right. like that. <laughs> Why, you know, I don't like my coworkers that much, <laughs> you know, not <laughs> enough to do that. I mean, that's just, you know, they're fine and they're fine, but I'm not going to, you know, give up my time or, or, you know, my money that, you know, I have earned when, when, I mean, again, not, this is not a situation if you're helping medical bills or whatever, that's one thing, but you know, when it's a, when the organization should, pay for their time off or whatever the organization should do it not not the employees so but unfortunately baseball is a dysfunctional mess at times and we don't see it that way so it's unfortunate but very cool that adam wainwright did that yes um before we we get done for the night though we should mention um, as we're talking about Adam Wainwright, who's going to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer, we'll talk about one that actually is, and that's Jim Edmonds, who has <clears throat> been tested for the coronavirus, and we do not know yet if he's got it. He's got pneumonia for sure, um, so keep that in mind. Um, again, <clears throat> Jimmy Ballgame should be a healthy guy, should be a guy that should be able to, to beat it, but um, sounds like he tried to for quite some time and finally, finally had to get to the hospital. Um, it's, it's no joke. I mean, we're hearing about people that should be healthy enough that, uh, that succumb to it. So yeah, you hope for the, and pray for the best for, for Jim Edmonds. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll find out more about that soon that, that he's, he's good to go. Yeah. I think at some point we're all going to find out someone that we know, or at least sort of tangentially know from the, the circles that we're in that is dealing with it. And I mean, let's be honest, the, the, false premise that this is a just a problem for old people mm-hmm. is being disproved more and more by the day so you know just take it seriously i understand that it's inconvenient i understand that it's a huge <laughs> dent to uh you know the financial situations of a lot of people i know that as well as anyone but look there are very real ways that we can care for each other and like Adam Wainwright has $250,000 to donate to minor leaguers, we can all stay inside. And yeah. that's what we can do. So if Jim Edmonds can fight this and and feel pretty defeated by it, at least initially, I think anyone can. And the only way that we can avoid that is to, you know, play along and, and do what we can to keep it from affecting people that we do know and love. Also, if you, you besides staying inside and while you're staying inside, um, do remember you can buy Tara a coffee. You can go to her site and 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 do that because you know again this is like you said it's it's hitting financially to a lot of people and yeah and and we all know that 
it has been rough on you for sure. Um, having, you know, absolutely no work to do because everything is shut down. So it's buy me a coffee, go find hunt up Tara, you know, even if it's just a couple bucks, she would appreciate it. So, and she wouldn't tell you this because she didn't even tell me to tell you this, but I'm telling you this anyway. So uh, she'll probably yell at me when I, we get done talking for, for telling you this, but do it anyway. Um, so until next time, whenever that may be, uh, I am Daniel. That is Tara. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.